if you go down their line of thinking, someone can make you, if you don't know any better, um, they can make you believe anything. Hey, dude, I feel like everybody's right and everybody's wrong. 100%. Why is this important? Why are we even going here? He's helped a lot of guys. He's also not had success with a lot of guys. Come in with a purpose and they're very intentional with what they do and how they do it. From the majors to the sandlot, baseball and softball share space in one place. Welcome to the farm system. Fellas, 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 and the ladies, welcome to another episode of The Farm Unfiltered. Yeah, this one's going to be a little pop-off. We'll see how it goes, huh, Code? Yeah, no, you didn't even need me for the ladies thing, too, so. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if you were ready to step in. We, we're going to run. We're going to run today. Listen, uh, listen if we, we, we got to write it down. If you're stepping in on the ladies, I'm, I'm in on that. Hey, you know, you know we're, we're all getting each other's backs, right? Okay, so. cool. All good. Yeah, no, um, so um, here we are again. Um, we actually, too, have had some some podcasts we've had some good ones coming out so this one will probably come out here in a couple of weeks but yeah. uh there's a couple that are coming out over the next couple of weeks that are mm-hmm. far, far me up far me up um what do you got what do you got today for us code yeah no i mean so came in came in and uh man wanted to shoot a podcast i mean there's topics on topics all the time mm-hmm. from training to social media to people talking crap to <laughs> people loving stuff. And so definitely, mm. definitely a topic I think is interesting was the one you were showing me this morning. Mm. Um, you know, the reverse scissor kick. <laughs> uh, For definitely Robert that, Riggins, yeah. shout out to you and your, yeah, and your that eight-year-old. That pretty cool. I think that'll be cool to look at. And then, um, yeah, and then dive into some stuff, probably about uh, like transfer to game too. Mm. I think that'll be a good one. Um, we talk a lot about like us in the cage and a lot of the drill work that we do, I think it'll be cool to kind of dive into uh, transferring stuff in game and yeah. um, kind of the gap that people tend to, yeah. to have from the cage to their game swing and why. Mm. Um, you know, hear a lot about that and then having some fly-ins and whatnot, like, you know, mm. always feels good in the cage, but then I get in game. So um, I think that'll be cool to dive into for, for a lot of people. So it seems like a common problem uh, in the game is they get in the cage and they're, they're superstars and they get out on the field and it's, oh, it doesn't play. It's, uh, you know, my cage swing feels good, but... Mm-hmm. um little secret there's something behind that so yep um want to dive into that too so let's go ahead and start with the the, re- the reverse scissor kick thing for sure yeah there. no and also too um again i think when we get into remind me when we get into um from the cage to the field we've had a lot of uh pro guys of recent coming in and they've had some crazy results and mm-hmm. you know some crazy time frames that i think will be big uh to kind of touch on uh there as well for sure um, so yeah, so the first one was, uh, Robert Riggins, uh, who is now, I think he's the DS, uh, uh, Dominican Republic. What is it? DSL or D DLS? Yeah. Mm. DSL. Um, yeah. Um, coach for the giants. Um, and he, uh, kind of posted, I think it was his eight year old. Um, and he, right before the pitch comes, he steps backwards. Like he's almost have a, has an open stance. And then as he swings the ball, and then also if you're watching the video here, we'll put it in there. But um, as he swings, um, his front foot actually comes over home plate, and then he hits a ball um, and ends up getting a base hit on. Um, in any case, uh, he just posted it because it was funny, and you know kids do wild things. And um, I, I really love watching kids move um, because they don't have any, or they I shouldn't say any, they have very little preconceived ideas of how um, they need to move. And because of that, you can see a lot of, natural human movement that hasn't been coached they just that's just how they move um that's how our human body moves uh, how it creates force and so he kind of posted it as like you know just funny like you know reverse scissor uh, scissor kick because um and again i'm sure from his perspective is like okay the reason he said reverse scissor kick because instead of the back leg going behind um his son his front leg was going in front of his son um as he was swinging and so um he posted as a as you know kind of funny and um you know uh, uh casey uh uh, Fisk um, had reposted it and he was like, I'm not going to teach it, but Hey, you got a hit from it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, obviously for us, it's actually um, a drill that we do um, where we call it back leg swings. And so I've been doing it for, um, I think we started about back at 108, probably um, I want to say like three, four years ago now, probably. Um, but in any case, there's a, there's a big part of that when it goes into like how the body actually creates force, because when you go to like a, you know, a kid or something like that, right? Like they don't have any ideas of how they think they need to make curate force, how they've been taught to, this is how I rotate. Uh, this is how I do things. They just swing. Right. And so, uh, you commonly see some of the, those, those patterns that kind of come out without that don't have any human, um, 
involvement or disruption um, within how it's moving. And so you kind of can see some very pure forms. And so um, a lot of them, for example, like let's say you take a youth athlete, and we actually did this, um, we, we posted about this quite a bit back in the day. You can probably go search this up on social media where uh, one time we went to uh, Eugene uh, Bleeker at 108 when we went and watched his daughters play, and they were both like, I think they, I want to say they were like six or seven or something like that at the time. And um, we went and watched them play and like helped coach. Um, and so when we were there um, helping coach, we started videoing like every hitter that was hitting. And when we they, when they were hitting, like almost none of them rotated their feet. Mm. Like every single one of them uh, rotated from their middles, the feet stay anchored, um, which is we one of the sayings we used to say at 108 all the time too is we used to say um, a thing becomes a thing when everybody does the opposite. And so the meaning kind of behind that was the reason squish the bug is a thing is because youth athletes most of the time never rotate their feet. Um, and again, along with that, we look at professional athletes and we say, Oh look, like see the back leg, you know, turning, you see a still photo of like them on their toe or whatever that is. And, um, you know, again, uh, you know, TV from certain angles and stuff like that, where you don't get to see things, you know, in slow motion and it happens so fast. Um, a lot of times again, the, the, they're like, okay, well, a professional athlete's doing this and my son's doing this and I, I want my son to be a professional athlete. So, um, they go down the thought process of, I need to start making him rotate his feet. Um, the problem with that though, is that again, is misunderstandings of, you know, the human body does change, you know, over time. Um, and so with that, when they're youth, just like when you have a baby, you can grab a be uh, a baby and like grab their foot and like put it to their forehead or like put it behind their back or do some wild stuff. Um, you know, because again, they have so much, uh, flexibility. Mm. Um, and now along with that, like, you know, again, like with the kid, when they go to rotate, they have so much flexibility, um, especially in their, you know, their whole body, but definitely in comparison to adults in their lower body, when it comes into, you know, dorsiflexion, when it comes into IR and ER from their, their pelvis, when it comes into even movement and rotation, they're getting from, um, you know, like their, uh, tib and fib, even their knee, like they have a lot more range of motion that like an adult just wouldn't have. And because of how tight the connective tissue and all those mm -hmm. things end up getting over time. Um, and this is also a big thing uh, when it comes into uh, really big when it comes into um, strength development, because that tension is also a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, again, that connective tissue is going to get tighter um, and more you know, with no more bounce back when you're constantly moving this way and you're using your body in that way, the body always uh, responds to a demand. If there's a demand that it needs to move a certain way, it's going to do so. Um, so a lot of times, you know, again, along with that is that we start teaching kids to rotate their feet to, they need to do this because, you know, they need to use their legs, quote unquote, mm -hmm. right? And um, also there's this presumption, uh, uh, presumption that because they're feet aren't rotating, that they're not using their legs or because their knee isn't diving underneath their body, that they're not using their legs. And so again, my next question always comes to what we've always assumed here is like, okay, but how do you know they're not using their legs? Right. And what I mean by that is of course they're using their legs. Um, they just might not be using them in the ways that you have seen them used or also too, that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, like for example, if you were to measure ground force for any of those athletes, and also too, if you were to see activation and you know the you know uh, all the muscles within the legs and all those things at the same time, um, you'd probably see a lot of activation. But just because there isn't movement, um, or again there isn't this big turn or any of those other things, that you think that there isn't you know force being made. Um, and again, obviously with us having the opportunity to also train some pretty young guys that we do in here, everybody assumes that we all just have big leaguers and stuff in here. But yeah, we you know again with. Um, you know, we have had nine and 10 year olds on the force plate. Um, I think we even had an eight year old, mm. right? Yep. Um, even on the force plate is again, you get to see these forces at play, um, with how they move and some of those um, things as well, but things we've known kind of for years, but you know, for example, like I said, for that, going back to that Robert Riggins video is, um, again, just like when you're on a farm board, there's a reason that the front board slides towards home plate mm. and why that's so important. And that's something that I've learned over the years when we first started using uh, farm boards, we didn't want the front board to move at all. I used to cue guys for it not to move, which is actually funny. Um, it was actually funny because um, it actually got it to move more. And we've, we've talked about that over the time where, again, if they like actually uh, learn to engage with it and try it for it not to move, they actually create a bracing force, which again puts mm -hmm. ground force into the ground and it actually makes it move more by trying to get it not to move um, at times. And so that could be a really good cue. But um, 
again, going back to that is a lot of people look at a kickback or a scissor and they're looking at the back leg. Um, and they don't understand that again, it's a, it's a result, which a lot of people say that as well. Like, yes, it is a result. It can also be a teach, right? Uh, results can also be a teach. Just like when we say, uh, external goals, like when we say, Hey, you know, hit a double. Again, that's a result, mm. but we can cue a result mm. to get the body to move a certain way, right? Um, so um, a lot of the things that people, again, when they see are, we kind of talked about this with a pro guy last week, right? When we had the conversation of, if you see a car driving down the road, if you see a car driving down the road and, or it's in a race, right? Let's say you're racing um, two, two teams that build cars are racing against one another. Um, when you see a car hitting a turn a certain way, you see it staying low, you see how, hot, how uh, well it's handling or holding onto the track or staying anchored or whatever, mm. you know, coin term you want to give it. Um, you know, again, any really good mechanic, um, what he's going to do is again, you're going to, they're going to walk up to the car after the race and be like, dude, like pop the hood. I want to see what's going on underneath, you know, inside this car. I want to see uh, what you got in here, you know, you got twin turbos and you got this suspension system and what transmission do you got in here? And, you know, how are you running this and how are you running that? Right. Um, so a lot of times what we're trying to do is I think like finding a needle in a haystack, you know, basically what we're doing is that we've been watching video of these race cars, right? professional athletes. Um, and we're just assuming what's going on underneath the hood and trying different things out. Like, Hey, I see his knee move. So drive your knee. Hey, I see his foot move, so drive, you know, try to spin your foot. All these things, when in reality, those are, again, results, right, of what's going on underneath the hood. And so a lot of team, a lot of times when uh, people also see, you know, even our hitters, you know, doing kickbacks or something like that, right, um, they don't understand that a lot of that is also coming, and mainly is coming from the front leg, mm. right, that there's a massive front leg force that's going on. Um, and also too, how we cue the body to make a uh, great force is what actually keeps it anchored from a technique perspective comparatively to just, yes, is there a mobility, a flexibility component? 1000%, right? If I'm going to rotate, um, from an anchored femur or again, anchored with both my feet in the ground, right? If I'm going to rotate away with my feet to stay in the ground, a main reason that people can't stay in the ground is they don't have the flexibility to do it. They're not a child. They're not a kid. And also, too, because they don't normally rotate like that um, and they're not challenged to do so and they're able to just come out of the ground and still hit a baseball, um, they get away from that technique. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of times why we do yoga blocks. That's a lot of times why we force them uh, to get, get back in the ground mm -hmm. and uh, rotate with both their feet anchored where they have to learn um, how to rotate and keep their feet in the ground because uh, it's something they get away from and they start yeah. spinning. Um and then also, too, um, again, along with that is where people get really confused as well as, uh, you know, they watch TV or something like that. And they see a professional athlete like, oh, look, like his front foot comes out of the ground. It's like, yeah, but also, too, um, along with it, like, can I still create force and my feet come out of the ground? One thousand percent. But again, uh, is I can only use the floor as long as I'm in mm -hmm. in, the, in the ground or the floor. Um, so the, the moment that I come out and I get unplugged. Um, that's when I'm going to have, mm. I'm going to have issues from being able to use the ground, um, as an anchor source for me to be able to amplify the, the force mm -hmm. I'm creating. Um, so I think, you know, one of the big things uh, I love with those, um, youth incidents there code is that you get an opportunity to see what's going on underneath the hood when you remove the feet from the ground and you get to better understanding of what forces are being created and that we get to see because we have a force plate. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, too, a massive disadvantage uh, for so many people out there that don't get to see force plate data. And even if they do have force plate data, like actually understanding mm -hmm. what that for those forces mean and how it points into human movement um, is a whole nother thing. And so I think I love little opportunities like that where you get mm -hmm. to see the body just doing what it needs to do to create force. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, adults looking around and being <laughs> like, ha ha, isn't that funny? You know, and it's yeah. like actually there's so much insight that's available um, if we just look around and remain curious, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a uh, few points that you made was uh, talking about the baby being able to like put their leg behind their back and then, mm. um, also like mobility and flexibility. Something that I hear a lot of kids come in here is like, oh, I gotta stretch, I gotta get more flexible and this and that. Mm. And something I wanna point out is those younger kids were always, I mean, I'm not a parent, but you know, mm. my parents and I've seen other parents, like they're very, very careful with young kids. Like they're fragile, right? but they're very flexible, let's yeah. say, um, right? But as you get older, 
right? You get a little bit tighter, get a little bit stronger, right? And so um, there's also a point that I want to make. There's a difference between just being flexible and mobile. Yep, um, You know, like just being able to touch your toes um, or, you know, be able to put your arms behind your back in some crazy, like, you know, uh, I think there's always this, um, like, again, missed, um, it's like a misconception. Yeah. You know, all these kids come in here and think they got to stretch, stretch, stretch. These coaches yeah. are like, oh, you got to got to get loose or you got to stretch you can't even touch mm-hmm. your toes this and that it's like mm. well also too then they get really mobile or they go do yoga yeah right and they can't they don't have strength through these ranges of motion now that they have mm. and they get to these really extreme like layback or mm. you know whatever and it's like then yeah. they tear something and so mm. um just a misconception Which that yoga instructors do all the time yeah. and that's another thing if, if flexibility is the main thing that kept you away from injury then yoga instructors should never have an injury mm-hmm. um, when it comes to like, you know, uh, like tearing something. Um, and if you actually look like again, a lot of times too, especially when they do something like a uh, something with force mm-hmm. and very easy for a, like a yoga instructor or something mm-hmm. like that to hurt themselves because yep. of all this range of motion they have. Yeah. Not, not that flexibility is a bad thing, but no. to just a very common thing that you see like high school kids are just consuming all sorts of information. It's like, you know, they hear their coach say this or social media say that. And it's just something that, I want to put out there is like just being able to stretch and be more flexible doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be healthier. Right? Um, you know, you have to have catchers do that a lot, motion. even major yeah, league level. For sure. They, they try to do um, again. Uh, there a couple of years ago, I was consultant for a team and like, again, their catchers role wanting to do a whole bunch of yoga. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, you guys already have yeah. way more range of motion than almost everybody on the team when it comes to your pelvis. Um, and then on top of that, you guys are trying to go do a whole bunch of yoga um, which again, it's not that the flexibility is bad. And again, there's a separator there is that we don't interchangeably want to use, and I want to define that we don't interchangeably want to use flexibility and mobility, uh, interchangeably because they mean different things. Mm-hmm. Um, flexibility is more like passive range of motion where I have the flexibility to get into that range mm-hmm. of motion. Um, mobility is more from an active, uh, perspective. So some people may not understand is that You know, for example, I might have more range of motion in my pelvis, but actively I might not be able to access it Mm -hmm. for a multitude of reasons. Um, And it doesn't, again, passive range of motion, like it is a requirement for me to have range of motion um, into something. Um, But also, too, even if I'm passively, you know, stretching into something, uh, there might be resistance there and there always is resistance there for a reason. But with it as well, that resistance isn't always a bad thing. Um, and a lot of times it's not, especially for, um, an athlete, like if he has got, you know, tension or he's got, he's tight somewhere, uh, the body is always responding to a demand. So it's not tight for no reason. Your, your shoulder does the tissue. And this is a, uh, Randy Sullivan line is that, um, the soft tissue doesn't have free will, mm-hmm. right? Which it doesn't just do what it wants to do, right? It, there's a demand placed on it where it needs more stability. So it gets tight, mm-hmm. either neuromuscular tension right? Or comes into actually connective tissue tension um, that you may have. And again, uh, shortening and tightening of muscles, all those things, it's all responding to a demand. All of it goes in together. So a lot of times if you just loosen up what the body is made tight, um, you're usually going to see an injury uh, right afterwards. And that's where it's not so simple being like, oh, I'm tight here. I'm just going to go stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, like let's say my shoulder feels tight and I start stretching my shoulder. Well, I probably, again, might actually have an issue with, um, you know, uh, supportive muscles in my scap or stabilizers in my scap, my rotator cuff, X, Y, and Z, all these other things. And they might be compensating uh, for, or also just a movement deficiency that I might be having of how my brain is moving. And because of that, um, it's causing tightness in another area because it's overworking uh, to take over for something that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times you're like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. I'm going to stretch my hamstrings. Well, you go stretch your hamstrings and then you go tear your hamstring the next Mm -hmm. week. Right. And then it gets coined off on, well, we knew your hamstrings were tight. And it's like, no, um, his hamstrings were tight, mm-hmm. but it was because there was a, a pelvic issue. Um, you know, again, when it comes into, you know, the stability and things, that, uh, you know, pelvic stability issue um, that we were having. And now when you loosen up the hamstring, now he didn't have any, <laughs> he didn't have any uh, stabilization in his hamstring or his pelvis. Um, and again, obviously then you start to see some injuries. So mm-hmm. it's not just so easy where it's like, oh, this is tight. So I'm going to stretch it. Uh, there's usually something else going on yeah. uh, that's important. And I just kind of wanted to break that up. If, like we don't want to say flexibility when we mean mobility and we don't want to mm-hmm. say mobility when we mean flexibility. Yeah, for sure. And flexibility is just so much easier to 
hey, go stretch. You know, yeah. it, it's That's kind of easy. I'm yeah. not saying it's a cop out, but it can be a cop out. Like, For hey, sure. I don't know how to train you to be more mobile. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you to go. Mm-hmm. You know, try to touch your toes and stretch your hammies or this. Yeah. You know, and and a old big, school stretches that you know people will just give all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this will make you better. You know. For sure. Well, and that's why I wanted to point that out is that there's all on it. This is also a massive misconception. A massive misconception is that flowy movement is because they have a whole bunch of flexibility. Yeah. And that is something that is largely misunderstood yeah. is that flowy movement. Um, does it have aspects of flexibility? Sure. Does it have aspects of mobility? Absolutely. Also, the other parts that come into actually how you're training your CNS system and largely, you know, we talk about this a lot, but the coordination aspect. And again, there was actually um, a podcast uh, not too long ago where uh, Stuart McMillan was talking about this with uh, sprinters is that understanding um, that and also Greg Rose actually right afterwards came out with uh, where they posted it from uh, TPI. Mm. Uh, I don't think it came on on base you, but it was TPI's um, social media where he goes into and he starts talking about how. You know, for example, just because you go to a PT and you have a whole bunch of mobility now Mm -hmm. um, or extra range of motion flexibility now, uh, it doesn't mean that your brain knows how to use it. Mm -hmm. And it definitely doesn't know how to use it when it comes into a very forceful and a limited amount of time. And so one of the examples that we talk about with this as well is, and this kind of goes in probably a good transition into uh, from training into the game, Mm -hmm. is that um, I kind of explained it like this. um, I've been saying this last couple of weeks is like, hey. You know, again, if I was leaving my house and I was coming to work um, and let's say I was running late, right? If I was running late, um, I'm not going to try a new route to work today, right? Like I, I know the way that I normally go to work. I know that it normally takes me like, you know, 23 minutes. So I know how long it's going to take me. And if I take this other route, maybe it's faster. But at the same time, again, I'm not used to that route. I don't know what's going to pop up. All these other things. Maybe a day when I have more time, I'll take that other route. But Today, when I'm in a hurry, I'm gonna take the other route. I'm gonna take the route that I always take because it's the fastest route. I know I know what turns to take and how light, long the light takes. I'm used to my, you know, all my things. I got I've got my routine down, right? Um, my same food spots. I know where I could stop. All those things, right? Well, when we come into like a human body and your brain is kind of the same way. When it's underneath time constraints, it's gonna do what it's most comfortable with and also to what it knows how to coordinate very rapidly. Because you have to think about again, human movement's very complex in this this way. Is that it's actually amazing. Like when you when you start to understand all the things that the body does um, to make sure like movement happens and all how amazing our systems are before we're still studying. There's so many things with the body, especially when it comes from the CNS system and like how our brains and how it coordinates everything. Like there's still massive, oh, yeah. um, you know, areas that we're still diving into um, in that in that sector of human movement. But one of the big things is that it actually checks in, you know, joint by joint. Um, you know, it feels with intention and that's why fascia is so important as well as it's, it's a sensory organ and it's super important. That's the same organ. Again, when you feel heat, how quickly you pull away so you don't get burned. Um, it's actually, again, um, our actual normal nervous system. Um, and I guess it's still in prong. There's just more inserts when it comes into uh, fascia is that it can transfer information rapidly, mm-hmm. way faster. Um, you know, again, uh, muscle muscle feedback is way slower. Not even, I think it's like <laughs> nine times slower than it comes to fascially or something like that. Um, but in any case, again, it gets back into that. It's just like when it comes into your body coordinating and turning on rapidly, turning on and off muscles, it's not everything turned on at the same time. That's very easy to do is turn on every muscle and just be stationary and, you know, flex like the Hulk and just, you mm-hmm. know, get your flex in. But um, athletically to be able to smoothly transition and turn muscles on and on, uh, on and off, rapidly um and and coordinating a movement um where it comes into you know how hard how and again it's just like it's important too like you know even too like for our bodies like i've picked up this water bottle a couple times so i have an understanding of how much it's going to weigh my brain is predicting how much it's going to weigh right and then i go my recruiting process when i go to pick it up i recruit that amount of muscle uh, that amount of muscle tension uh so that i can pick it up and create enough force to pick it up now, sometimes you see this happen where, for example, um, you might have picked it up. Like, for example, if your water bottle, if you had picked it up a second ago and then we like switched it out and I went and poured it out and picked mm-hmm. it up, you're going to pick it up and recruit like so much muscle to pick it up um, because your brain is, is, is uh, for 
when it's looking at the task and it's understanding what it needs to actually complete that task, it recruits differently. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big part where when, you know, we have guys that are like training them to react differently, which is what they're doing actually in the cage and what they're doing when they actually get on the field is that we have to make sure that action, um, that action and perception gap, that perception and action uh, gap, uh, we start to actually train the body to react differently. Um, and even though a lot of people for a long time was like, you can't do that. I mean, obviously we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, they've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Sometimes science wise, if you don't go deep enough, it can be, it can kind of get to, you know, you can be in the forest and you're kind of confused on how the body actually does things. Um, but also with that, like you can, we can do that. And that's something that again is a very particular process that we go about mm. of how we get, um, athletes results from the cage to the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then from the cage to the field too, is like you said, we have kids that are eight to, you know, big league guys, you know, all ages in here too. Um, and you know, when it comes from cage to the field, one is as a former athlete and someone who um has dove into a lot of these topics i'm well aware um how many different factors are coming to play when it comes to taking step to the field from now I'm, we know we're having these conversations with these kids that come in here and hit and it's like they're playing every weekend and they also play every tuesday and thursday and they're going to private schools that school's not easy and then they have a job and um then some kids stay up and still play xbox it's like mm -hmm. you know i'll ask them hey what's going on you know blah 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 blah, blah. oh i'm tired why are you tired I stayed up too late playing video games. You know, it's like mm. all these different things that come into play. Or, hey, you know, what'd you eat today? Just like through basic conversations, like whatever. Oh, I didn't eat today. It's like all of these things like add up. It's like, mm. you know, um, when it comes into how much they do in the cage, you know, they could also haven't drank a bottle of water in a week and they're only eating nerds and red vines. And I'm talking about, you know, um, all these different things that, that play a factor into it. And it's, you know, it's just very interesting when you start diving into that, like, okay, um, there really is so much more to this than just, just see ball, hit ball, you know? Yeah. And then also to, oh, muscle memory. Well, also to there's bad muscle memory, which is mm -hmm. what I wanted to get into mm -hmm. in the cage of, you know, kids will go hit off the tee because maybe they don't have people to hit with. Right. And which is, you know, I did that. I hit yeah. off the tee every day yeah. in my life. You know, it was my favorite tool is just something I knew I could count on the TV in there because yep. never had work or anything else. Right. Yeah. And, but also too, the ball's not moving. Mm. Right. And so you could get away with things on the tee that you can't when someone's on 92 with the slider. Mm. Right. And, you know, I'd always go, you know, early in the morning or midday in college and I would hit on the tee. Um, and you know, this is like sophomore, junior year. It's kind of funny looking back at it now. It's like, I'll go hit off the tee on the field at home plate. And I'd be hitting the balls in the gaps. I'm like, ooh, yeah, practice is going to be nice today. It's like, I'm hitting line drives gap to gap. Then I get to practice, and I was just like, awful. It's just terrible. I'm like, mm. and now I'm going back and looking at these like old videos on my phone. It's funny because I show you some of them, and then we joke about it. It's like, how am I getting blown up off the tee? But it's like, at the time, you know, ball's not moving. You can do some moves that you can get away with, and the ball's not moving. It's yeah. in the same spot over and over again, mm. and this and that. And then I well, get Well, they're also practice. They're also. Uh, if that was the task, if the task was the, the brain's literally doing exactly what you ask it to do, right? Like you're putting a ball on a tee and you're saying, I want to hit this ball in the gap and I want to hit it as far mm -hmm. as I can. Um, with these constraints, like it's conforming and self-organizing yeah. to that constraint um, and trying to hit this ball as far as possible. Um, and to do so, again, along with it, um, again, I don't have to worry about all these other things. I'm not doing the task of actually trying to have to hit. Um, I'm basically golfing. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm kind of golfing in this way. Um, and again, along with it, not only am I golfing, I'm also golfing and landing it in a massively mm -hmm. large area. Um, so again, along with that, it's like I've conformed to this other task. Um, and again, uh, please don't hear right in between. Everybody, uh, everybody should know by now that I love the tea. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with the tea. It's how we use the tea. Yeah. And we actually have to make sure that when we're doing it, that we're not just going into um, we, we have to constrain it enough where that we're working on the right things mm -hmm. and the tool can be, uh, the T could be a great tool, it be an awful one. um, or it can be an awful tool. Everything works. Everything sucks. It just matters how we use it. Um, and what we're actually working on. And again, the same thing too. I could, I can use, you know, again, I can use a T for good, mm -hmm. um, and get someone really like a lot better, dramatically better off the T, mm -hmm. um, or, um, I can use a T to make someone really bad. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes both ways. 
um, along with it. But it's, it's, it's important there that in the same thing is like you were hitting better at the task that you were giving it mm -hmm. and what you were telling yourself that for you were sure. trying to train for. You're just training for things that don't play yeah. in what you're actually trying to get better at, which is the game, not mm -hmm. just hitting off the tee. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I use the tee almost every day with all of our hitters, but, too, very intentionally, and, like, I explain that to them, too. Um, you know, you can't just get in here and leg kick to the moon and, you know, take G-hacks all the time, you know, mm -hmm. especially uh, off the tee, right? And then, so, to your point, um, and then I've also had this conversation with some of the, the people that have flown in recently. It's like, um, you know, the, the, the constraints that we do have, like you have to hit it between foul lines, you have to hit it. It's nine on one. You know, mm -hmm. you got all these defenders, uh, balls moving, they throw at different locations, different speeds, different mm -hmm. spins, umpire calling balls and strikes, you, all these different, yeah, you, you know, crush it, right? you crush it, they catch it, rob your home yeah, run. All you know, things. you have all these constraints yeah. and which kind of goes back to the, the young kid is we have a 10 year old that hits with us. And it's funny is sometimes, you know, I'll throw a cue out at him, see how he receives it. Like, hey, hit this ball as hard as you can. He'll leg kick, he'll try to open, mm -hmm. and he'll swing and miss and foul it back. And I'll be like, okay, now hit this ball as hard as you can, but if you swing and miss, you have to get out of the cage. What does he do? Gets his front foot down early, slightly mm -hmm. closed off, mm -hmm. feet don't rotate, and he hit mm -hmm. the missile. Yeah. And it's like, you know, very similar, but like yeah. slightly more specific with the second cue. Yeah. Um, and again, too, like what's what's the game? Like the game was to just create as much force and yeah. swing as hard as you could. And it didn't matter where you hit it or if you did hit it. Yeah. Right. Great. Cool. cool. But the game is like you got these foul lines. You got, yeah. you know, four people on the infield plus a pitcher. Then you got yeah. three outfielders. And, yeah. um, you know, I know the shift's going away, but like then they can shift in specific mm -hmm. areas. And they still got they still got a pretty good movement. They just can't yeah. be in certain areas. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and like, you point. know, with that, too, is like you got all the and then again, pitchers are just getting better throwing harder tighter spin mm -hmm. more spin all these things yeah. like figuring out how you actually hit so they're mm -hmm. they're change you know how they yeah. change speeds delay mess up rhythm for sure all no. that stuff yeah. and then but there's all these constraints too it's like there's more to the game than just hitting the ball hard or swinging the bat hard yeah and then too that's something that's very easy for in my opinion just watching all the high school kids mm. they'll go in there and just hit off the tee and you know mm -hmm. they'll try to hit the ball as hard as they can um i'm but, hearing somebody i'm hearing somebody argue right now being like yeah, yeah, but when they're young, why don't you just let them swing hard and swing and miss, and who cares now? And then later on, we'll just tighten it back up, right? It used to be my philosophy around it. And this is a good point I, I wanted to make this as well, is that a lot of times, and this is just can be applied in any part of your life in any different category, it doesn't matter about hitting or not, um, is that if you go down a line of thinking, right? That's why, I, like, when you're trying to understand someone's line of thinking, if you go down their line of thinking, someone can make you, if you don't know any better, um, they can make you believe anything because you're going down their line of thinking. I always kind of think about this when I go into, uh, you ever listen to the, like when they go and interview like serial killers? <laughs> and so they go interview serial killers and they start explaining to you and they go down this whole dynamic process of their life and they thought like this and this happened and all these other things and they lead you to a point and all of a sudden, you know, they've killed somebody and you're like, hold on, for like a split second, you're like, Wait a second. He made that sound so casual mm. that that was logically the next step was like, yeah. So mm. then, you know, I took her out back, took out my hatchet and went to work, mm. you know, whatever. Right. And he goes down this thing and you're like, okay, yes, just going straight to Z there. You're like, no, I would never agree mm. with that. But when he walks you down his line of thinking and how he got to mm -hmm. this point in his life and how all these things happen and how the system did this and blah, 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 and all these other things. And you're like, I could see how that whatever. Right. So the line of thinking there is the same thing too, is I used to think just like that, like, okay, well, I'll, you know, develop the athlete first, you know, I'll mm -hmm. rein it back in later on, yeah. right? Um, the problem is, again, along with that, is that you're constantly training your CNS system. Mm -hmm. um, and also as well, is that you're teaching them habits that are not good, which is just, again, like, for example, like we've talked about this before, but again, this is the same thing when we go back to like a fighter and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna let him throw haymakers and then later on we'll tighten it up, mm -hmm. right? The problem is, is again, like, um, I think I had told this before, uh, I know Cody, you've definitely heard it is again, where I was at one Oh eight, where Wes McGuire at the time, who's now with the Braves. Um, and again, he was our pitching coordinator over there. Um, I think he's doing some, well, I, I know he's a team coach, but I know he's working on some things with them as well. Is that, um, he, he came up and asked me one day, he goes, he goes, um, is that true? Do you, do you, you know, just tighten it up later hmm. or do you actually have to start all the way back over with how they're creating force. And uh, it's so funny now because, because we have force plates and everything else is 
yes, you're developing an athlete, but you're also teaching them to be athletic in a particular way. Mm. You're teaching them to create force in a particular way that not might not be very well suited for them right. um, as they develop as an athlete to actually be able to hit. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, on the same thing is like right there, it's like there is multiple ways to create torque. There is multiple ways to create force. There's multiple ways uh, to create rotational velocities. Um, and along with that, some of them um, are there's multiple ways to do it, but there's only so many ways. And on top of that, more some of them are more efficient than the others, mm. right? So, for example, like off the tee, um, you'll see our professional athletes, and that happens a lot, is a lot of times off the tee, um, they're not hitting the ball as hard as, you know, for example, it might be I have 15-year-olds that hit the ball harder mm. than our pro guys do off the tee. The problem is is how the, the technique that the 15-year-old is hitting off the tee with, right. um, you know, that's not going to play in a game um, with the velocities that these pro guys are, are hitting with um, and how what they're working on. And, yes, if I just told the pro guy, hey, I don't care where this ball goes, you know, don't worry about this rep, do whatever, um, hit this ball as hard as you can. The pro guy's going to be able to hit the ball harder, mm -hmm. right? But that's just not how he's actually moving. And also, too, when it comes to ground force, we see the same thing, yeah. right? Where there's these 15-year-old kids that can create more ground force than the pro guy um, in particular ways, right? Mm -hmm. But with that being said, like, the reason the professional athlete's not doing that is, like, that's not part of his technique. He's not trying to create force that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that he can't create more force that way. Um, it's just that's not the technique that he's using, and he doesn't need force like this kid does to do what he's doing. Um, so that's a big, you know, a massive piece uh, there as well. Um, and then the other thing I wanted uh, us to kind of touch into as well, Cody, is the, the transition from um, cage to the field is also the change in mentality. Mm. Like change in mentality is very different, right? So once you kind of open that up of why there needs to be a change in mentality from, you know, cage to field. Yeah. Before, before we go into that too, I just want to point out, it's like we love to make things it goes both ways. We love to make things more complicated, and sometimes we like to oversimplify them. Yep. Um, and so I, th I think it's funny. It's like I know there's a story out there that probably doesn't follow this. But in general, we all learned our ABCs before we learned to write. We didn't learn to write before we learned our ABCs. Yep. When you learn to drive, you didn't just get in a car that's going 100 mile an hour and mm -hmm. say, hey, take the wheel. Like you yep. start slow, and then you build up those skills over time. And um, We tend to go so far down this route and – Hey, just swing as hard as you can. You'll figure it out, and we'll fix the technique later. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, do the ball, hit the of, ball. Yeah. Just to kind of yeah. simplify that thought, like, you know, think of anything else that we just go balls to the wall, 110 percent before we work on technique. Um, you know, in general, we don't. Um, you know, in a lot of aspects in our life, and um, and so, and then from the mindset too, um, with that, from like cage to game is, I had a lot of conversations with kids recently too um about it's so common now to want to get results instantaneously mm. um and want things to transfer so instantaneously which you could mark it up as a lot of different things but you know with social media and and just how our world is now it's like you know we want it now amazon prime we order something we get it that day or two days like mm. there is no waiting if we don't get it in two days we throw a fit you know, it's just there's so many things that are so expedited and quick now um, that I think more than anything, the mindset um, and, it, and it's funny because, like, you know, we've always talked about this. Trust the process. Trust the process. Right. Mm. Um, but the mindset of, of one, um, you're you're going into the cage and there's different days, different situations. Right. Like if I have a hitter that plays on Tuesday and he comes in on Monday, I'm not going to sit here and take him apart and do a bunch of stuff that he sucks mm. at. Um, but like the analogy you always say too, is like, it's like a NASCAR, like you work on it all year long, multiple mm. years long. Um, but I mean, you have race days in between when you're working on your car. Mm. Um, and so again, those days, like we may touch on some things, um, that, you know, you need to continue to get better at. Right. And there may be some cues like, Hey, barrel across the chest or something like that. Cause, or, um, you know, like Aaron, you know, back in the day, Hey, don't touch the PVC pipe with your hip, like stay behind, you know, these little things that, okay, you're doing um that aren't good and we may work on it a little bit but then also to the last half of the session we'll work on okay how do we maximize what we are good at to go compete tomorrow or today whatever the day is um and really the the big mindset um issue that i've seen with a lot of the kids is like they, they want to take their exact they want to go work on what they're not good at to get better and then they go take that to the game right now they can't separate 
Um, or they come into the cage and they don't like to work on what they're not good at. They only want to do what they're good at because they don't like failing. Um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of different things that we can go on with mindset from the two, but those are the two most common I've seen mm. is, you know, there's some kids that have some success at the high school level. Mm. And we sit here and we tell them, like, I'm happy you're a 300 hitter. Like, sure beats the heck out of being a 200 hitter. Mm. But also, like, you're not a power five player hitting no. 300 at this level with the competition you're facing like for sure you know you got you got to perform better than yeah. 300 and that's tough for them to grasp for a little while like hey you're going to come in here and you're probably going to fail because there's some things that you're not doing very well um there are some things you are doing well but there's some things you're not doing well and if you want to be a power five player you want to get drafted one day mm. you want to go wherever your goals are like got to get better at this like, mm. it's not can't just keep doubling down on this one thing that you're doing really well, um, especially with how much data and analytics and information mm. there is out there. Like yeah. at the college level, you're getting pitched to a specific way. Yeah. Like they have scouting reports that are more detailed than ever. Now mm. they have video of every game ever, right? Yeah. You're not running into a series in college that they don't have every at bat you've mm. had all year. Like mm. just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and so like with that too, is like, well, it, do, it does at lower levels, but your yeah, point, well, your point being upper yeah. levels at those power yeah, five and even lower programs. levels. Like I played at a junior college in every one of my games and I know it's, you know, yeah. a D one Juco. I'm sure there's some yeah. that don't, but to some capacity, there's a level of video mm -hmm. to some capacity at almost every level. It seems like even yeah. high school, at least at a minimum, they're looking at your stats and going, okay, this yeah. guy's a power guy. This guy strikes out a lot. This guy, Hits a bunch of balls to left field, mm -hmm. or you know, again, he's a high average dude, yeah, so he's a guy that you hit the hard to get out. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, like, so. you have all that, and and you know, the kids don't want to work on what they're not good at because they're having success, and then maybe they do start working on what they're not good at, and then they take a little dip for a week or two in their in game results, right? Because out here, I'm not from Vegas, but we don't play year round in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. You have quite a few Season. months in between that yeah. you know you take a break, you go play another sport, or you yeah. train. It's like and so, again, they're playing year-round, and so we're constantly working around that schedule, too. And it's like, okay, well, I had a bad weekend, um, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, um, how do you navigate through that, too? And, and then you talk mm -hmm. to them, and you find out, well, you know, um, I tried thinking about this or that or whatever, which was like one cue in the middle mm -hmm. of the session that, you know, maybe I didn't even think was a super significant that stuck to yeah. me, which is why communication is super important for a coach and a player. Um, you know, to see where their head's at and what helped them and, and help and give them that structure. But, you know, they're thinking this cue and it's like, well, um, you know, I could see why you were having some issues in game. For sure. uh, if that's the only thing you were thinking about, like you're trying to fix a symptom, yeah. um, all these different, you know, things we can go down a lot of different, uh, directions, but mm -hmm. then they get in game and they think this and they, they struggle and then they go back to their old way. Cause they start to fail a little bit and mm -hmm. they're like, well, this sucks. I was hitting 300 the other way. Yeah. You know, I was two for 10 this weekend. This is stupid yeah. or, for sure. um, or they're so infatuated with the process, mm -hmm. right. Which is kind of like more of like what I was when I played. Yeah. Um, and so it's super interesting. They get so infatuated with the process that they forget there is a moment that it is. Let's compete. Let's play for the sure. game. Right. And I would go out there too personally. Um, and so, you know, I see these kids that we train and it's like, oh yeah, I went two for 10 this weekend, but it's cool because like, you know, I'm worried about four years from now, mm. you know? And then I took that mindset every single year until I was like, okay, well, it's too late now. You know, mm -hmm. like there is that, that component of, okay, like I am training. I am always getting better because even big leaguers are always getting better, but also like they mm -hmm. don't go out there and just not compete. Like they go out mm -hmm. there and try to win the game. For they're, sure. they're fighting for money more than anything. You know, yeah. their statistics give the, yeah. get them paid. Well, and and you know, again, for perfect examples, out like let's say, you know, Tom Brady's out there on Sunday, right? And he misthrows his first drive. He misthrows every single ball he throws, right? And it's down to the left. Mm. Well, he's gonna make an adjustment. Mm. There is he knows his body of what doing along with it. The problem is, is again also too, is summertime, especially with younger athletes, they don't know enough to make the adjustment. Mm -hmm. They don't know enough about their body. They don't know enough about their process. They don't know enough. Uh, they know, uh, and also too, we have plenty of players that know enough to mess themselves up, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's where it comes into, for example, um, that's where it comes into for twofold, what you're saying is one, trusting your process of, hey, you're gonna get these results, but also two, you know what the best case scenario would be? 
is if I was with you in every moment that you were playing baseball when it came to you hitting and I could be there to give you some cues and all these other things until you understood your body enough to do some of these things or you just moved so well that it just, again, a lot of these things didn't happen um, as much. Um, but along with it, when they get stuck in the in-between where they're trying to you know think, uh, they're trying to do all these other things and figure it out rather than just being like, for example, I also sucked when I was 13 years old or 12 years old or 10 years old or whatever age, 15, 20, 23. Like mm -hmm. I also had plenty of weekends that I was terrible. Mm -hmm. Right. And also too, like you think when trout goes freaking over 26 that, you know, he's not trying to make an adjustment. Like, of course he's trying to make an adjustment. Sometimes you're just going to suck mm -hmm. and that just is. And it, and again, at the end of the day, when it comes to CNS and training, all those other things, like you're not going to win at everything you do mm -hmm. all the times. Like yeah. you need to learn that with life. Anyways, sometimes you're going to suck. Look at your video, try to make an adjustment, get back in there and play again. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like, yes, there's plenty of times. Again, I may try to make an adjustment every every at-bat that one day I struck out seven times in nine at-bats. But at the same time, like, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden I got a hit in the next at-bat. And it also doesn't mean that I wasn't trying to make adjustments. Yeah. Both can be true at the same time, mm -hmm. right? So, like, when coaches are like, make an adjustment, like, you think the kid wants to strike out? Mm -hmm. Of course he doesn't want to strike out. He's trying something else, mm -hmm. right? He's trying, it's just, again, he's probably making the wrong adjustment. Mm -hmm. Or on top of that as well, like, obviously you're yelling at him making an adjustment because you don't have a more practical cue to give him right. other than make an adjustment. Well, what the hell does that mean to him, mm -hmm. right? Does that mean, again, does that mean think That's ground ball to second really base? Does that mean top of the, hit the top of the ball? Does that mean hit the bottom of the ball? Does that mean hit the inside part of the ball? Like, what do I have to think to create what I need to create? Does that mean not get big? Does it mean stay smaller here? That's where, like, the art of also coming in, not only as a player, but also, too, as a coach is, again, like I took a lot of pride in how I talked to our hitters when I coached first base. Mm -hmm. Right. I was very particular with what I said to our hitters. I didn't get up there and go like, come on, kid, rip something in the gap for certain guys. That's not going to work. It's going to be something bad for them. Mm -hmm. And you don't. That's not how you cue them. Even in two. And I know I told you this as well. It's like a lot of people don't pick up in subtleties of what I do in the cage. Mm -hmm. Certain hitters, like, for example, it happened the other day when uh, when we had Chewy in here. Right. Uh, Chewy was again. Um, uh, Brandon likes to throw fast paced BP and he starts to speed you up. And as a hitter that gets jerky and those, you know, again, can get Yankee and all those other things. You got to learn to slow down. So what do I do as a coach? Intentionally, I slow down how I'm talking to him, mm -hmm. lower my tone, start to talk slow to calm his brain down and his nervous system, mm -hmm. just like I'm doing right now, right? Rather than talking with a whole bunch of energy and saying, hey, man, let's get back in there. And I'm speeding him up, mm -hmm. right? So as a coach, you know, specifically in the same way is I'm very intentional there. And sometimes, again, just like when a coach calls time, and brings over to a, a you know from the third base um, box, and he comes and talks to a hitter, and he tries to help him slow it down. Right, mm -hmm. same thing when you go to the mound and you help a guy slow it down. Like, hey, sometimes too, this pace is working against you, and you're getting sped up, and you're getting jerky, and you're getting all these other things are starting to happen. And we need to, hey, we need to, you need to feel like you're 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 slow motion dancing up here. You got to feel like, for example, some of you might have to, you have to play like you're at a two, mm -hmm. right? And some guys have to play like they're at an eight, balls to the wall. So that guy, I might have to get him fired up. You know, I might have to yell at him and get him, again, where I need him to be, where, again, I'm like, you know, I, I need to kick him in the ass a little bit and get him going, and that's what gets him going. You know, pull him to the side and say, yo, you're the team captain. Get your shit together. Like, mm -hmm. like let's go. You know, and sometimes that I need to do that too, yeah. right? And that's where, as a coach, the same thing happens when you're in the cage is along with that is like, hey, this is what this looks like. And this is where, you know, again, uh, Rudy actually talked to me about this a while ago is saying like, hey, like, I feel like you guys also too have a tough gig. Um, and again, along with this, like, I mean, we get stupid results with guys, but in these certain moments where certain dudes where there is a big role for your hitting coach or your coach on the field, right? To get a player to perform. That's their job too also mm -hmm. to get the player to perform at a, at a certain level is that, for example, when I'm at um, Rudy's, I used to train a lot of kids on Rudy's team. So I would go to, um, I would go to their games and when I'd go to their games, like they would like super rake mm -hmm. on a lot of like, especially a lot of guys that we worked with, because again, like they would hit whatever ground out the shortstop, whatever those things are. They come in the dugout. I cue them up on something, gave them again, something like, Hey, like, you know, think 40% balls, second baseman here, boom, hammers a ball in the gap is next AB. Like again, and all these other things like what happened with those things. But again, like we're not going to be at the field with everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's also good for them too, as well. It's not that 
we shouldn't be there. Cause again, just like anything else, just like, you know, being a parent in that same way is that, yeah, in the beginning part of your life, I'm going to be there a lot, bro. I'm going to be there a lot. I'm going to feed you. I'll make sure you got food, all these other things. When you're freaking 35, I'm probably not going to be there that much. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to have to hold your own stuff down, but I don't abandon. And it's not either or I don't abandon you when you're first born. Right. And also too, I don't, I'm not going to sit there and baby you when you're 35. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is this progression of what that looks like. And for a hitter, it's the same way. And again, a lot of times too, it doesn't help when you also have, um, this happens a lot where you have parents that the moment the game's over, want to talk about your performance, mm. right? And not in a positive light, not in a, in a thing of like one, understanding this is why I always tell you like I like to go swing is remind myself of how hard it is, mm. uh, how hard it is to get those things to happen and to get these changes to happen. Um, is hitting is really hard. And so through that process, um, again, most people get frustrated and they let the frustration of the moment overwhelm and, and get taken out on their son or their daughter or um, other coaches or whatever that is. And they let the frustration of the moment become a frustration between two humans because mm-hmm. I can argue with you. I can tell you all these other things. But in reality, I'm really just frustrated with the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated because... I, you know, we've been working really hard and I, you know, I, I started to build an expectation for results Yeah. when in reality that was, that was the issue from the get go. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with what was actually happening. This, this weekend was progress or this, yeah. this, this tournament was progress. But my problem is, is I get stuck in this place of, um, I build a relationship with, with my work correlating with specific results that I want to be there one way or another. When in reality, again, the journey is the reward there is just working, right? Should be my pleasure, right? And the results being like, yo, I'm not tied up. And you, you heard Aaron Judge like this um, last week when they started talking about, you know, hitting over 60 home runs. Mm. And he's like, yo, I'm not really focused on like numbers. Like obviously he's aware of it. And he's like, you know, I don't take this for granted. Nothing like that. But what I am saying is, again, how I got to 60 was not about thinking about 60. Yeah. Right now, again, someone I know, someone's already saying, but I saw the video where he said I was going to hit 50 home runs this year. Mm. Yes, but game to game, he's not going 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, right? And, again, if somebody else thinks like that and that helps them hit, great. Mm. I've worked with a lot of hitters that, you know, and, again, personal experience when I'm trying to hit 380 or whatever, like, (laughs) It typically, to, if I get five hits this weekend, I'll be batting, you know, 295, yeah. like whatever. Like that typically is not a really good way of, you know, going about it rather than, mm-hmm. again, going from moment to moment and taking care of what's right in front of me. And, you know, what's the, you know, again, saying lockdown of the game and all those things that are happening. Um, so that those could be bigger pieces. And that's what I say is like, as a parent, you obviously want um, to help your you know, son, your daughter, or again, you know, as a coach, your players. But also, too, how you speak to them afterwards is you start to develop. And this is where, again, your traumas start getting, you know, put on to next generations is also those things as well is that you might want a result so bad. You start training them to want a result so bad. Mm-hmm. And it's subconscious with how you have your discussions because you've tied your identity up in their performance and their results mm-hmm. and your team and all these other things. When in reality, it has so much more to do with your relationship uh, with these things and, and, and not having identity in what you do as a mm-hmm. coach or, or your player's success or any of those things, which again is something that we have to constantly surrender because it's something we can easily fall into over and over and over again. And as a coach, that's something I constantly have to do mm-hmm. um, as well. So I think that, that those can be massive pieces um, of learning again, like being a hitter is a journey, not a destination. Like there isn't a, oh, I'm a hitter now, my swing is perfect. Mm-hmm. That never happens. There's never a hitter out there that's like, yeah, my swing's perfect. There's nothing I work on. Like Mike Trout works on his swing every single day. Mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera works on his swing every single day, right? Albert Pujols works on his swing. He's changed his swing multiple times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like on his swing every single day. All these guys work on their swing constantly, right? So again, along with it, it's like it's never an ending process. It's 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 a, um, you know, it's just what we do. It's yeah. what you do. There is no there's no place to get to. Um, it's just constantly, you know, working and going into what that looks like to continue to get better. Yeah, no, and kind of piggyback off that is uh, I have siblings. And so as like a parent too, um, knowing the, the journey that maybe was taken with a sibling of mine, or I'm going to use my personal journey with my parents and my dad was a uh, hitting coach, baseball coach as well. And so, um, that journey and then that getting reflected back on my little sister is, uh, so my sister's first year of college, like me and you know. 
Um, she's never lived away from my parents. Also, first year of college, everyone knows, can be an adjustment, mm-hmm. meeting new friends. Um, they have a brand new coach that just came in that didn't recruit her. Um, and so there's a lot of different things going on. And yeah. too, she's already battled anxiety before. And like, mm. um, you know, she's going through all of this and, you know, my parents are still there for her. But anyways, um, the the point I want to make is, it's funny, I called my dad this weekend, asked how she did. Because, um, you know, Omaha, I can't, I can't be in Omaha to watch her play. So I'm like, hey, how'd she do? And my sister's always funny. Um, she's very vague about her results. Um, she either nothing good, even though she was three for five because she had two strikeouts or like, everything was perfect even though like you know it was one bomb and she was one for four and struck out three times you know it's just yeah. different so i asked my yeah. dad who again coach and he's funny is um <laughs> is he was like when she took a fastball down the middle her first ab i thought we were over that and i was like well what do you mean and he goes well we dealt with that w- with you for years and then <laughs> i don't know if he proceeded to bring that up to her yeah but then i felt for like hey my dad's probably gonna go hound her about taking a fastball down the middle of the first A B she gets for sure. as a you know, freshman yeah. in college, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, that was me. That was my journey. I was yeah. the one that struggled with that. And then he gets pissed. Yeah. In a sense. It was like, Why are you taking that? And it's like, that was my fault. I did that for three years where he would always get mad at me yeah. uh, for that. And then reflects on my sister. It's like, you know, whatever. And so I was like, the opposite, with bro. I was trying to hit a ball to Africa. To <laughs> but it, it was it's just funny because like I'm seeing that. It's like, well, now she's getting that feedback from my dad and she was like i don't even know why you're saying this I've, I've never taken a fastball in the middle of my life i did it one time yeah and he's like freaking out yeah it's like you know because of that and then also too is she goes three for five with like five rbis but mm. she struck out twice yeah. my dad's like well that crap's not gonna fly two strikeouts and i was like well how's her swing look and he's like well she's really long she's getting really big mm. doesn't look really good and i'm like okay well she went three for five and her swing doesn't look good imagine when she starts to tighten some of this stuff up mm. right and i'm like you know trying to give him that feedback too because yeah. again i know her dealing with some anxiety like he's gonna go say something about the two strikeouts mm. and now that's gonna be on her head all week for sure when she went three for five with like five rbis in her first college game for sure you know as, as a freshman yeah. i'm just like you know take yeah. the dubs you know like, take the dubs, I, you sure. know I, d- I didn't do that when i played i was like two for four and both of them were you know little flares over first base I'd be kicking myself, and then one of our best hitters would do the same thing, and he'd be like, "I hit 500 a day." And he was like freaking out. It's like yeah. that mindset uh, difference and and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. it's just funny, you know, bringing that up is like from a like a sibling perspective. I'm seeing that kind of happen with my sister. Like yeah. my dad again is putting that on her. When two part of that was like it was my fault. We love you, dad. No, I, I <laughs> but, but it's funny because, like, I'm seeing it with her. For sure. Like, you know, we all have our own conversations. My brother talks yeah. to her. My brother's For a baseball sure. coach. For sure. You know, I do this, and so yeah, I yeah. talk to her. My dad talks to her. And then my yeah. mom, like, she's just like, we still all love you. You know, yeah, my mom yeah. does, has her part. For sure. So, um, For sure. It's just interesting seeing those different, I don't yeah. know, perspectives on it and those mm-hmm. different conversations. But Well, it can um, get, you know, it can forward. get. It can get hard too, because again, like bringing it back to the, like the pros conversation. So we had a couple pros uh, come in uh, right here at the end of the season. Still had some games left here locally. Um, Aviators AAA for the athletics, and so, um, anyways, like you know, two of these guys, uh, you know, come in, um, and again, like do an evaluation, give them some simple things to focus on, whatever, and then you know, it just so happened like they they go off mm. right, um, and they have you know both of them have like six home runs within two games. Uh, the one guy hits for the cycle. Um, he's and then also went on to in 280 at bats. He hit uh, five home runs, no triples, and a couple doubles. Um, good amount of doubles, I believe. I think like eight or something like that, or something like that. Um, and then in 20 like seven abs, he he matches his home run total. He hits five, um, two triples, um, a couple doubles, whatever. Right. Um, and the other guy, I think literally since he came from his stuff, I think he's hit a home run almost in every game that he's played in. Um, and also too, now he's the, uh, PCL like home run, uh, champion of the league. So in any case, um, along with that, I'm like, Hey, and then they, you know, kind of talked about it too. It's like, Hey, you know, we used the, you know, farm boards last week and, um, you know, before they had, they had came in and, uh, they're like, we both hit a jack that game, you know? And I'm like, well, I hope it works that way every time. Now, again, along with that. Um, something of a sample size that big where you're going to like, you know, almost 30 ABs um, and you match your home run runs from, you know, the whole year of 280 at bats, almost 300 at bats. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's obviously something different happening, right? I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to downplay that other side, but the dangers that you have of getting results like that is that 
it sets this expectation that it's always going to be like this. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I do these things that all of a sudden I'm start hitting all these away. And that doesn't always work that way. Um, a lot of times it's more of a trend. Mm -hmm. Now, if there obviously is at that level, you know, a little tweak can be a big deal, mm -hmm. you know, especially too, when you're waking up a pattern of how, for example, like this guy, for example, you know, again, he's hit for power in the past and he was really struggling this year and had lost some things. So waking up some things that he used to do mm -hmm. um, and giving him some awareness of it where he could train it specifically and make sure it's a staple inside of his drills every day was a big deal for him. Right. And so that could be very important um, again for some of those guys where these little tweaks can do some major things. Um, but also too, like I always tell them as well as like, Hey, like I don't have magical pixie dust. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, it has to be the right things. Obviously, you know, what we're saying obviously made an impact where, you know, both you and I think in one game, they, they together had a, you know, 26 total bases or something like that. You know, obviously there is some massive things that are happening. Um, again, it just then all of a sudden, you know, I, I hit five, you know, 300 bats and all of a sudden I hit, you know, oh, I, I just got hot, you know, there's, and that's a statement within baseball, like, oh, he's hot right now. Well, like he's doing things differently, mm -hmm. right? Like one, 99% of the time he's going to move different, right? And it could be, conscious or not conscious, right? He's moving better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second on top of that as well, like how he's handling failure and all those other things and how he's in a good place mentally is probably a, a massive part of that as well. But I think it also always kind of gets coined off. Um, it always gets coined off in the, in the, the presence of, Oh, like, you know, again, he's just hot right now. Well, what does that mean? Because I would like to be hot more often. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's like break that down of what hot is. And it's not just a feeling. It's not the balls. You know, again, there's these symptoms of the ball looks like a beach ball and I have so much time and blah, blah, blah. These other things. Mm -hmm. OK, but why? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's all that where we like to unpack and, and kind of go into that. But the bigger pieces of like, again, within that translation of what it comes from, like in the cage where like, you know, again, for a pro. Like we just activated something, gave them one drill that they did prior pregame and then boom, like they, they, they can make some of those things. And that's not always the case with every pro. So don't coin it that way, but like, Oh, that's so easy because they're pros. No, there's a lot of pros that again, like that is not the case by far. I worked it with far many pros where it's taken, you know, years to get them places. Um, but when you're, when you're just activating something like that, it could be as easy as that. And that's where it comes into where again, the skill and artwork of a coach of knowing what, when, where, why, how I talk to them you know, what I need to talk to them about, what they need to focus on. You know, again, we had a, a conversation with the, you know, parent this back last weekend. And again, it goes into like some coaches and a lot of things can, we can, there's some truth to getting too stuck on like movement in the sense of um, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing that. Yeah. But in game, he's not going to be think he can't think about this, this, that, this, and that. Right. Even though in the cage, we might be able to do some of those things and it might be very particular in that same way kind of like that route analogy that i talked mm -hmm. about later is we have a little bit more time because we're not in such a hurry because slower ball speeds i can talk to you in between swings we can do all these other things okay we can talk about this new route and how to get there when to turn left when to turn right what the you know the speed limit of the road is what what we have on the radio all these other, we can do all those things right because we have more time to do so but when it's you know rush time it's like hey it's time to go you know we need we uh you know those are things that happen and again a lot of times you know again um, you know, like Cody, like we talked about, and also too, as you saw then, it's like, I'm cueing something else completely different. That's going to get the movement, not that those same movements not to happen. But instead of talking about, you know, his hip hinge and X, Y, and Z, it's like, Hey, um, get to a good place to hit, you know, um, get to, a, you know, your good, yep. your place you're going to launch from and, you know, think 40%. Right. And that boom, like, mm -hmm. can that really work for guys? Right. And a lot of times, like, again, it's that can't, that approach is not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Um, but there is certain things that can be more like, I would kind of talk about it. Like it could be like penicillin where it really helps a lot of things, um, by, you know, isolating on a couple things that again, this is the other hard part, the cues and what you they're thinking about does matter. Mm -hmm. Right. I can tell them again, sometimes it's a, it's a placebo. It could be think right pinky toe. Mm -hmm. Right. And boom, they crush because the right pinky toe. Right. But also, too, sometimes it's, again, specifically like where I'm giving a specific cue um, because I know how it's going to get them to move uh, because we've interacted in the past and I've had plenty of movers like them before. And I'm going by, you know, again, past experience of like, hey, let's think this or, you know, top spin a ground ball to the second baseman. And all of a sudden the guy hits a home run. And he's like, what the heck? I was trying to yeah. top spin a ground, ground ball to second baseman. It's like, yeah, but there's a reason I gave you that cue. Yeah. Right. Like I, I knew what it was going to create for you specifically. One of those you know? professionals that you were talking yeah. about literally said that word for word. 
it really matters what you think about, man. Yeah. Like literally like word for word. It's like, for sure. it really does. Yeah. And how it, again, that goes back into your CNS system and what it looks like and like what you're doing on deck circle pregame, all those things like they do matter. And again, it's a lot to unpack. It's not something where again, every, I think everybody wants this simple. Okay. Just tell me the approach I'm supposed to have. Tell me I'm supposed to like, no, like you independently as a hitter, go watch, go talk to big leaders. All of them have different things they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. All of them have different specific routines that they do. All of them do all these different things. And um, is there overlap between mm-hmm. for sure? But at the same time, very specific in that same way um, along with it. So, um, yeah. So I think there's there's definitely more. I think you also uh, said, I think we skipped over uh, one in the middle. One of the other things we'll have to lock it down on another podcast. I know we, uh, in the very beginning, I'll have to wind it back and ask, remember mm-hmm. your first initial ones. But uh, we kind of unpacked um, a couple of those. Um, but. Yeah, there definitely some um, big things we'll continue to, you know, unpack and it not be just a one size, mm-hmm. you know, one conversation and all of a sudden you're, you know, mastered the craft. Um, that's why I love baseball so much. It's it, it's not that easy. Uh, if it was that easy, it wouldn't be that interesting. Right. Um, so definitely not that easy. It's a complicated thing. Um, we did have some boys hit some some bangs this weekend, which was mm-hmm. fun. Um, cool. Also, new thing we talked yeah, about. Some of the young kids go off too. I haven't told you about too. Oh, so good, we had a good. good weekend all around. Good weekend all around. Yeah, I love that. Um, also, a uh, new thing, we kind of talked about it before the podcast. Uh, one of the things I wanted to start uh, doing is to close out is that I wanted to say a prayer uh, with everybody. Um, so yeah, we're going to start doing that at the end. That's how we're going to close out. So let's, let's, let's get that in. Let's get that in. Let's get in. All right. Uh, dear and Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, bringing us here today and all the different ways that you're moving um, in all of our lives. Uh, we're so thankful uh, that we continue to um, be blessed with uh, the gifts that you've given us and all the different ways that you're continuing to move through our lives and uh, form us to spread your kingdom. Um, we're so uh, grateful to be used by you and um, God, we're your servants, and we just ask that you continue to work through us um, and continue to use our platform uh, to spread uh, to spread your kingdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all, go crush your week. Oops. All right, y'all, I'll go crush your weeks. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, here soon. But until next time, Farm system out.